Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Howard was sliding papers and reports into his briefcase when the telephone rang. He was, it was 5.30. He'd already stayed for a very long day at the office. He was tired, wanted to get home for dinner. Reluctantly, he answered the phone. Hello, Howard. This is Alan Hitchcock. Howard, you may recall that my wife Jean and I were planning on getting divorced. And we just about pulled the plug on our marriage, but we've decided to give it one more try, he said. And his voice sounded weary. Their financial problems were on the verge of destroying their marriage. He wanted to meet with Howard, who was a Christian financial planner, to discuss their situation. Now, Alan earned a pretty good salary. He was an assistant manager in a large retail chain. But he he couldn't understand where the money went every month. You know know what I mean? (laughs) He couldn't understand where the money went every month. And every month, he and his family were short before the end of the month arrived. Their family was growing, and so were their expenses. In just a few short years, the kids would be heading off to university, and that would be thousands of dollars of tuition, which they didn't have. As they looked to the future, I mean, everything looked bleak. And, and uh, Alan was heading into a deep depression because of it. In addition, Alan and Jean uh, owed a substantial amount on their credit cards at, what, 24.9% interest? Furthermore, they had a sizable mortgage on their house. Besides that, they were making payments every month on two brand new cars that they could ill afford. Uh, They shopped carefully sometimes, comparing half a dozen outlets uh, to find the best price. Uh, Sometimes they used coupons at the grocery store. Alan did most of his own car repairs. Gene did not shop at stores for designer labels. But still, the family faced a critical problem. The Hitchcocks did not have any clear guidelines at all when it came to managing their money. None whatsoever. They never created a budget. They seemed to buy what they wanted instead of what they needed. They had absolutely no plan to save and no strategy to invest for the future. Now, some of you are sitting here this morning internally and you're shaking your heads, thinking to yourself, how can people be so dumb, right? Others of us are sitting here this morning nodding our heads going, oh my goodness, that sounds familiar. We've done the same thing. We've made the same mistakes. How can people be so dumb, (laughs) Well, I've been a pastor for over 30 years. And every year, without fail, the top two challenges to marriage are communication and money. The next year, they might flip, but they're always number one and number two. Communication and money. Money and communication. I mean, married couples don't know how to communicate with each other. 
It's, it's not something that just comes naturally to most of us. We have to work at it. And you can learn good communication skills. Married couples don't know how to manage their money very well either. Managing money is not something that comes naturally to most of us. You have to work at it. But you can also learn skills for money management. So discovering God's design for you and your money is really critical. It's as much a part of the Christian life as prayer and fasting and, 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 and other things. It's part and parcel of the Christian life. There are verses and illustrations and stories and parables about money and money management scattered throughout all of Scripture, Old and New Testament alike. We need to learn more about money and good stewardship because how we handle our money affects our relationship with Jesus. It just does. Like I said, it's part and parcel of the Christian experience. What we do with our money can affect the quality of our relationship with God. And there are many different passages I could turn to this morning. One of which is 1 Timothy chapter 6. Beginning at verse 6. 1 Timothy 6.6. Paul writes, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Problem is, most people aren't content. (laughs) For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Not many are, but that's what the scripture says. Verse 9, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It affects your relationship with Jesus. How you handle it, what you do with it, how you view it, your mindset toward money affects your relationship with Jesus. Now, we listened to the testimony just a few minutes ago of that young woman, Dacia, who, who struggled. She talked about her struggle, you know, buying all this nice stuff and driving a nice car and going to a nice place and, you know, having it all. It affected her relationship with Jesus. And then she could not respond immediately to the call of God on her life to go into mission because she had such a heavy debt load. So it affects your relationship with Jesus. What we do with our money, how we think about our money, what we, it affects our relationship with Jesus. Second, we need to learn more about money and possessions because material goods often compete for supremacy in our hearts. The Bible says you you cannot serve both God and money. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot serve both God and money. Doesn't say you should not, it says you cannot. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is telling us that a disciple's loyalties cannot be divided. It's impossible to serve money 
which means when you, when you serve money, you are, you are giving money the right to rule in your life. You make most of your decisions and most of your plans based on money. Not on the kingdom, but based on money. It's impossible to serve money or give money the right to rule in our lives and still bow down and worship Jesus with any spiritual integrity. That's what this passage, Matthew 6, 24, is saying. You cannot serve both God and money. One, of the, one or the other will have supremacy in your lives. And you see, we're saying here this morning that material goods often compete for supremacy. When the Crusaders were fighting their religious war in the 12th century, they, they actually hired mercenaries to do most of the fighting. But because it was a religious war, as if this made it any better, uh, they insisted that the mercenaries be baptized before going into battle. And so, as they were baptized, most of the mercenaries would hold their swords above their heads out of the water. Thinking that if, the, if their swords were not baptized, they could still use their swords for whatever they wanted to use their swords for. Sure, go ahead and baptize me, but not my sword. You can have me, but you can't have my sword. And they thought it gave them freedom to do with their swords what, whatever they wanted to do. Well, how ridiculous is that? But today, you know, people uh, do virtually the same thing. Uh, maybe it's not quite as obvious, but still they will say, Yes, Lord, I'm, I'm fully devoted to you. But they'll keep their purses and their wallets out of the water, so to speak. Yes, Lord, oh, you can have me. Oh, all for Jesus. All for Jesus. Except for my money. I I'm doing quite well. I can manage my money Quite well, all by myself. Thank you very much. How ridiculous. As you look inward this morning, as you look at the interior of your life, as you stop to reflect on how you spend your money or how you save your money or how you use your money to bless the kingdom and kingdom expansion, what do you see? Are there irregularities there? You feel a little remorse or maybe a little guilt this morning as you contemplate how you're using your money? Maybe, maybe this is kind of how you're living. You know, keeping the purse and keeping the wallet up high so Jesus can't get at it. What or who has the supremacy in your heart? Is it really Jesus? You cannot serve both God and money. You, you cannot. So choose this day whom you will serve. This, this might be a day of decision for some of you. 
Third, we need to learn more about money and possessions because much of life revolves around money. This is just the the purely practical side of the sermon, you know. So much of our lives revolves around money. Uh, Many of us spend 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week earning money so that we can do what we do, support our family and pay the bills and all that sort of thing. We spend a lot of time every week earning money. You spend time making decisions on how to spend that money. Some of us need to spend a little more time thinking about that and making decisions. But nevertheless, you you do spend time every week making decisions about how you're going to spend that money. You think about where you should invest and how you should invest. And you make phone calls and you talk to people and you talk to your financial advisor and you try to get the best information about stocks and bonds and all that sort of stuff. So you spend time thinking about and investing your money. You make plans, or you should make plans to pay back your student loan. Uh, You think about every time uh, Lotto 649 has a commercial on TV, you think about what it would be like to win a million dollars. What would you spend it on? It's always a a small group kind of icebreaker that we like to use. If if you won a million dollars today, what would you spend it on? People start talking about things, and it Many times it, it, it betrays your values. It, it, it shows up in conversation. Of course, if I won a million dollars, I'd give it all to the gathering. <laughs> so you see, much, much, of, much of life revolves around the money, doesn't it? When you, when you stop and think about it, a lot of, a lot of it does. My, my wife likes to get on her flip app. Some of you know about that? This price, <laughs> yes, we know about that. Price comparison, you know, and we'll be in a store and she's flipping around trying to price match. And I'm going, really, honey, come on, let's just, let's just go, let's just pay the thing. No, no, we're going to save 16 cents here. <laughs> she does great. She really, she does. But it just proves again and again and again how much, how much of our lives on a daily basis revolves around money. And I, and I suppose that's just the way it is. But, but, so many followers of Jesus take all their cues, all their advice uh, from worldly financial planning rather than from the King of Kings who wrote the book on financial planning. You see, we have the, we have the best financial advisor on the planet at our disposal every day. If you got a Bible, he is available to you 24-7. God has given us so much good advice about money, Old and New Testaments alike. Some of it's principles. Some of it, you have to mine it out of the Word of God. And the rest of it is just like, boom, it's in your face. Bang. Hit you upside the head with a two-by-four. But it's there. And it's available to us right in the Word of God. He's the best financial advisor on the planet. So we, we should heed uh, scriptures like Isaiah 55, 6, which says, uh, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we need to seek the Lord. We need to seek His wisdom concerning our finances. And we need to do with our money what God says, simply because His thoughts and His ways are much higher than ours. I read an article published by CBC News this week that says that the average Canadian owes $22,081 in consumer debt, and that figure does not include mortgage payments. $22,081 in consumer debt? You know, credit cards and all the rest. $22,081 without mortgage payments? That's not smart. That means that the average Canadian is spending way more money than they're earning. And they're putting the rest on, on, on high interest credit cards. And oh my goodness, what what... What's happening? It's just, that's just not smart. But there are so many people who live like that. Some of them are, are, are here this morning. And it's not smart. I don't know who you are. I don't know your name and address. But you, you do. And, 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 and right about now you're feeling, yeah. Whoa! He's reading my mail, which is comprised mostly of bills. Okay, so what's the answer? Yeah, I mean, if that is the case, that's, you know, that's what the series is meant to be about. It's meant to help us. Not, it's not meant, I'm not, I'm not preaching about money in January, so you feel bad about all the money you spent over Christmas. That is not my, that's not my goal. You know me better than that. What is the answer, though? What's the remedy? We need to learn To be content. We need to learn to be content. Say it with me. We need to learn to be content. Now with conviction. We need to learn to be content. I really think that's the the bottom line in this issue. I really do. We need to learn to be content. Years ago when I realized just, just how much... Kate Spade purses are. No, when I realized just how much money uh, we were spending and how nervous I was about all of it and how discontent I was, I said, I, 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 need, to, I need to learn a new lesson. I need to learn how to be content. And, and, and I think that's the real issue. People are not content. People are not satisfied. doesn't matter how much they have or don't have. They're not satisfied. I mean, I have friends who are millionaires, and they're not happy. They're not content. What you have is never enough. And the more you get, the more you want, it seems. People just have not learned how to be content. And I think that's the real problem. Too many people are living unfulfilled lives. They are disappointed, disgruntled, discontent. They have no joy, no hope, no peace. But along comes Paul and instructs us in the way. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. This is his own personal testimony. I have learned 
to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed at the keg or hungry down on the corner of Olette and Riverside. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. We love verse 13. We rip it out of context so often. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Have a look at what it's related to. Have a look at the context. Keep your finger on the text. It's about learning to be content with what you have. In that, God will give you strength. We are not born with a predisposition to contentment. (laughs) Babies usually come out of the womb crying their heads off. They are not happy. We, we do not have a, we're not born with an aptitude for, for satisfaction. Instead, we're born with a, a selfish, sinful, greedy, envious inclination because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This, that's where we live. That's, that's how we were born. Sinful human nature is not easily satisfied. But see, when I come under the sound of the gospel, when I hear the gospel and I repent of my sins and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for my salvation and I begin to trust in Jesus Christ alone for my daily strength and when I trust in the inspired word of God and what it says about how I ought to manage my money and my possessions and the stewardship that he's entrusted to me, when I obey the Bible, that's when I learn to be content. That's how you learn to be content is to live God's way. You can learn to be content, just like Paul said. I've learned to be content. You can learn that too. Someone said to me, one of our younger brothers said to me, I'm I'm so looking forward to this series on money. I'm so looking forward to it. And I I, I told him, I shared with him that it's been years now, but Patty and I were lived in that same sphere where everybody lives for a long time. You know, frustration, discontentment about where our money was going. You know, we weren't able to tell our money where to go. Our money was telling us where to go. And it was just, it was all backwards. And we worked very hard at financial freedom. And thanks to Dave Ramsey and a lot of his great, great advice, uh, we're financially free. We, 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 We owe no man anything. We have no mortgage. We have no debt. And I, I, I was sharing with him how, 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 how much freedom there is in that. Because, you know, a need comes up here at the church. We can, we can extend. We, we can offer more help than we would have before. We have a friend in our, our, our pastor, our president, who, who has a particular need. We can actually step in and help instead of just wish we could help. So it just brings so much more contentment. Uh, when you do it God's way. And folks, the purpose of this series is not to make anybody feel guilty. The, the purpose of this series is to help us discover God's design for our lives and for our money. He really does have some plans for your money. He really does. And, and I want you to know that I'm not preaching this series so that you'll give more. We, we, we don't need your money. 
The king of the universe is, is, is able to supply what we need. You, I mean, you need to give it because that's what the Bible says you should do. But we don't, we don't need to scramble after it. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not grasping for your money. Uh, we're not trying to meet our budget. It's January. I waited to preach this till January when we didn't have any budget pressure. There's no budget pressure at the gathering. We're not, we're not just scraping by, you know, trying to pay the bills week by week. No. We get cash in the bank. We're, we're about ready to start some renovations in the gathering place to provide classrooms for our kids. So why are we preaching this series? Well, because we want the disciples of Jesus. I wrote this out. We want the disciples of Jesus to understand the will of God for their lives and live with joy in the glory of God, fully and completely satisfied in Jesus and the sovereign grace that God pours into our lives every day. That's why we're teaching this series. Does that make sense? Is it okay with you if I keep going for three more weeks on money? Okay. So over the... I'm going to do it anyway, you know that. <laughs> I, I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> oh, what a warped sense of humor I have. In the, in, the, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about giving generously, saving wisely, and living appropriately. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Good for me, good for you, good for us. See, we, we were not created by God to worry about every penny we, we spend. We, we're, we were not created by God to worry about where every penny saved is actually going to go when we're done. That's no way to live. We were created by God to worship Him and walk with Him Every single day. That's our mandate. That's our purpose. We're not here on planet earth to worry about every, every paycheck. Every dollar. Given or not given. But it's, it's hard to glorify God. When you're worried about money. The chief end of man. Is to glorify God and. Enjoy Him forever. But it's, it's hard to glorify God and enjoy Him when you're worried about your money every day. Or every minute of the day. So let me close with some advice that comes directly from Jesus Himself. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. It's a lengthy passage. Let me read it for you. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, or where is my money? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's where we need to start. This whole money thing, this whole discussion about money and saving and plans and CPP and ABC and XYZ and old age security and all the rest. For us as believers in Jesus, this is where it starts. Do you agree? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. First things first. Right? Get your priorities straight, Jesus is saying. Seek the kingdom of God. That's the beginning of God's plan for you and your money. The kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Teach us how. Teach us how. Would you pray with me?